Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show. Today is a little bit different of an episode. Rather than having an interview and a guest on our show, we're going to be interviewing each other about the last year of podcasting. So today, March 24th or March 23rd, marks exactly one year since Lewis and I started this podcast. Over the last year, we've had, you know, 60 plus episodes, lots of interviewing, lots of talking to, to new people, and we thought that today would be a good opportunity to distill what we've learned through learning all of these different lessons in podcasting, in business, and in life. So format for this episode, we're going to kind of informally interview each other about what we learned from doing the podcast. We've done a couple of takeaways episodes that are about, you know, each specific episode and the things we learned from that and then life lessons. And this one, we want to be a little bit more tactical, a little less ethereal. Uh, and we're going to structure it instead of each of us coming with, you know, a list of 10 bullet points and we recite our favorite three, we're going to just ask each other a series of questions that we did not share in advance with each other to see what we think. So Kyle, do you want to start off? Yeah, a nice, a nice little experiment, uh, which has kind of been the theme of our podcast is just experimenting on an episode and then deciding what was better, either doing it this way or doing it that way. So that's my first question to you is what minor experiment did we run that had outsized impacts on the quality of our podcast? I think one that we should resume that I don't totally know why we haven't, but I could probably come up with a reason is the ideas segment. So mm. one thing we've learned from the po podcast is certain questions lead people to scripted answers and certain questions lead people to unscripted answers and the juice of the podcast is really those unscripted answers there's nothing exciting about hearing a best-selling author recite the thesis of their book that they've recited a thousand times that's not differentiated at all our podcast from the 50 other shows they go on when they launch the book instead when it's you ask them something completely unrelated to their book or other ideas that excite them and just ask them to conduct on the spot original thinking that it, so i'd say the experiment is one the idea segment and two it's just any type of question that is purposely designed to get them off script and we used to kind of follow the format of like okay what's this person best known for let's get into that and that's kind of the opposite of what makes us a differentiated podcast so that's my answer to that question you have anything to add and i there? think yeah. yeah and i think that uh that's actually a good strategy for cold outreach is reaching out to people and asking them to talk about the things that they don't normally talk about. So I know blog of Jake, when he reached out to Vitalik Buterin, the, the founder of Ethereum, he said specifically, I don't want to have a conversation about cryptocurrency. And you know that Vitalik is getting a offer every day to come on every podcast to talk about cryptocurrency. So uh, introducing the idea of coming on the show about being something other than, you know, their best selling book or their what they're known for can excite them about coming on the show. Exactly. I think I have one thing to add there that I'm going to ask you basically the same question, but it's when you go to do that cold outreach or you go to interview someone, if there's a project you can tell that they've worked really, really hard on that they're not getting attention for, like that can be the angle as well for the pitch. Like what is this? Let's talk about, I know you have your book that sells really well. You have this website, but like, I'm really curious in your one side project that no one ever asks you about. And like mm -hmm. that, because it can also be a really tactical and good, right? Like it's not tactical for the point of getting people to say yes when they would otherwise. It's getting a conversation that would be better than it would be otherwise, which is a better product for us and, and the listeners. But question for you is, do you have another specific tactical thing you learned about cold outreach that has made it more effective for getting people on? Like you're at the beginning sending messages this way and it wasn't all that good. And now you're doing it this way and it's kind of like a little hacky trick. Well, I definitely still do it a lot. 
But sentences that start with I, I think, need to be eliminated as much as possible. So I usually start with like, I, like, hello, I am, and then a, a broad compliment about what uh, the reason that I'm reaching out to them in terms of my perspective on what they're building or their life. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, you know, I think that what you're doing is incredible because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, and then I'll usually uh, say what I would be interested in talking to them about on the podcast. And then at the end is where I give a background. So before I think I, I would do, you know, hello, background on the podcast, what we're trying to accomplish, what you and I are trying to accomplish, and then go into, you know, I think that we could build a good podcast together versus here are all the reasons why I think that you would be a really interesting guest to come on my show. And here's a little bit about us. So that's one tactical improvement that I have made in my cold outreach for guests. I like that. Yeah, I think it, it's uh, definitely more effective. And, and like, you know, it's like the thing about you got to put yourself in their shoes. And a reading a paragraph about your podcast is not something that I would be interested in when being invited on a, on a podcast, like all of that information is, is pretty easily found either in a hyperlink to our website or in a quick Google search. So we it's want like to demonstrate a lot of that. as quickly as possible that it's not a generic pitch. And if you start out with a paragraph that doesn't change, no matter who we're sending it to, like, right. The podcast is the same podcast, just no matter who we're sending the pitch to, which isn't entirely true. Like I described the show. I might, I might make entrepreneurship yeah. <laughs> sound like the more prominent theme when we're reaching out to a business owner and investing the more prominent theme when we're reaching out to an investor, but you immediately start out just talking about something that is specific to them and shows like the level of research and specificity. And then it's just like, Oh, by the way, like this is just a little bit about the show. So that's a good tip. I, I think the, in general in writing, unless you're like writing a story about yourself, like the number of sentences you write starting with I mm -hmm. corresponds to a worse paper or a worse article or worse blog. It's like a direct, People? like sliding a slider. It's like, yeah, literally if the more eyes, the worse it is, the uh, less it resonates. So that's a good, that's a good tip. So my next question for you, you came up with I, it, honestly. Well, you're right. I'm a genius. What tactical advice would you give to someone about to conduct their very first interview? Is it for a podcast or just for like you're interviewing a person just because you're inspired that to learn from someone? Let's go with with latter. Informal. You just want to talk to someone and kind of like learn from their mm -hmm. brain. Yeah. I think tactical. This is going back to the third door, which we mention often, but pretty much, you know, write out a list of questions. So you have them if the conversation runs dry but then seek to not use them at all. Maybe have the first one ready because that's an awkward moment as you sit down, right? What do you want to know? And you're like, uh, everything, just tell me everything. And then that's mm -hmm. going to like not prompt anything at all. This is kind of back to the positive constraints idea. The brain is an amazing question answering machine. So if you give it a specific question, it's going to give you a great answer. And if you just say, tell me everything, they have no starting point and that's kind of useless. So have like a good specific conversation starting question ready to go, just one. And then that's about it. So when we podcast, for example, I always want to know my first two or three questions queued up, but then there's always enough momentum after the first two or three questions that are scripted, rehearsed, meant to invoke a interesting conversation. And then there's always like enough momentum from there. And then sometimes you run out, like they finish a thought, you have nothing you want to say to it. Then you have the list of questions ready, but your goal should be to never use them because the best conversations are just conversations in my opinion. That's really interesting. It makes me think of like, you know, the obvious 
example is like a snowball, you know, and before the conversation, you're sort of like collecting your things to put into the snowball. And those questions are, you know, ingredients that you can put in there to make it a, a faster fall down that hill and to gather momentum faster. So we want to start with some momentum, right? But when you write out the questions before, it means that you're researching them. It means mm -hmm. that you're thinking about how that you're visualizing basically how that conversation could go. And in doing so, you're you are preparing for that momentum, or you're, you're sort of building it before, right? So that when the conversation happens, you can get past that critical mass quickly and into you know that off script sort of like vibration conversation that you want to be having. Exactly. So my next question for you, just to keep the pace rolling, speaking of all of that, is what was something that was easier than anticipated? And what was something that was harder than anticipated? Well, something that was, you know, harder than anticipated, I think, was like getting all the equipment together. Like it took us a long time to get, you know, nice microphones to get the to experiment with the setup with our, our uh, lighting and the, and the camera. It's like, you know, There's still work to be done, but it, no, it's, it's not great, better than the but start. it's like better, better than it's, when it's, we started for sure. Yeah, it's not great, but it's like it took a lot of iteration, you know, 60 episodes to even get to here. And this is obviously you know, not that great and it could be better. So I think that that is interesting because like when I, from the beginning, I thought like, oh, well, if we want to start a podcast, then it'd just be easy to get like a perfect, you know, camera, like microphone set up, like done, done deal. And so that was more difficult than I expected. And then easier, you know, I think um, a question that I get a lot is like, how do you get people on the podcast? Uh, and my go-to answer for that on script is like one, like there's two sides to it. One, like people are extremely interesting. And if you're reading interesting things all the time, there are people that are creating that. And like, no matter what I'm reading uh, every single time, I'm like, wow, that would, person would probably be an interesting podcast. Like I could totally reach out to them. And then two on the latter half of that is when you're reaching out to people, like people I don't think fully understand just how easy people are to reach. Like maybe not Tim Ferriss and you know, the, the top, top of the mountain, but like almost everybody has their Twitter DMS open or their email findable. And like all it takes is one message and you might not get a reply and that's okay. But uh, the odds that if you really want to, to get someone to look at text that you wrote, you can, you can make it pretty high, a pretty high chance that they're going to see it. And, and that's not something that has always been true. And, and I think that, or maybe it has always been true, but I don't think that it's fully realized and that people take advantage of it. So reaching out to people and getting them to see what you write is easier. And the actual setup of the podcast was harder. I would give pretty similar answers there. Again, right. We started this not because we have a passion about audio and cameras and lighting, uh, but we have a passion for conversations with interesting people. And so that part's coming easily. And then the other stuff you have to do, the details you have to work through to enable the second one is a little bit more challenging. So my next question for you is what have been the keys to us not quitting on our podcast? I think that's something I think about a lot. And I, I think it's something written down about that. So it's, I'm glad you brought that up. I think one huge one has been a cadence, a sustainable cadence. So one a week is a lot easier to sustain than two a week because it's half as much. 
and there's just something you know nice and rhythmic about you know Tuesdays are the days we publish episodes, and that's something that is easy to just fit into the schedule and plan in advance and then work backwards to make happen. I think the partnership accountability, right? Like you're going to be like Lewis, we're behind. You're going to be like Kyle, we're behind. And just having that, per- it's like the same thing as having a gym partner. If you don't show up, someone's going to yell at you. And I think that's good. I think from the start, you know, we've never had zero listeners. We've always had more than zero. So there's been <laughs> a feeling that someone is going to like notice and say something. If we don't publish something, they're going to be like, Hey, I mean, there are people that, again, are used to seeing every single week on Instagram or Twitter, like they're going to say something. They might not even listen to it, but like it just becomes part of their habit to see that we're publishing something. And if it's a guest that catches their attention, the click through is like high enough. But another thing as well, right, is I think we started it for the right reasons. So I think that's been one of the biggest reasons we've been successful in terms of continuing to, to go and keep going is that we started it for the intrinsic motivation so intrinsic motivation tends to be more sustainable than ex- extrinsic motivation. You know, we kind of said, if this happens to turn into money, awesome. If this happens to turn into a humongous following, awesome. But really, the main reason we said is like, there are people doing awesome stuff. We want to be able to talk to them. And we've been able to do that the entire time. And that's only gotten easier with time because, you know, we've learned about pitching and the credibility we have from the people we've already talked to it makes it easier to talk to them as well. I think some external accountability that's been helpful has been, you know, our school has given us a good deal of funding throughout a couple of different projects we were involved in. We did a business plan competition, which gave us like $500, which paid for the first year or so of expenses. Kyle and I both participated in a summer academy where we mentored younger students in entrepreneurship. And we got some nice siphon money for that, which helped pay for upgraded microphones, SaaS software that we use for editing. So I kind of felt like we owed it to them to not kill Mm. the project because they were paying us to keep it going. I don't think that was the strongest thing. And then I think at every specific point, right, you and I started saying, okay, let's do 25 episodes and hit a thousand downloads and let's Mm. decide what to do next. And then we hit that milestone in like the middle of the summer and said, all right, let's do it. Let's continue this through the fall semester. Then over winter break, we said, all right, let's continue it through this semester. So there's been a clear single point like where you and I've been had a strong agreement of like with total clarity, like up until X point in time or up until X milestone is reached, this is what we're going to continue doing. And that clarity is not, there's no, should we post an episode next week? It's well, the semester is not over and we're said we're going to do one every week this semester. So let's keep going. And we've kind of continued to push back that deadline indefinitely. And I also think the flexibility of the show has also been helpful. Mm-hmm. Like we've made it, oh, we have a niche, but that those niches are all encompassing. Like we want to talk to anyone who runs a business and like we can learn one about the details of that business. So if we have John Sherman from Hydrant and we're just curious about the science of hydration, like that was awesome, even though we didn't really set out to do that. Or we interview someone where the details of the business, like Corsicle, for example, were less interesting, like how we built the software that manages the student schedule. Like we didn't want to just ask them all these technical questions. We're just very curious about how we actually scale the business. So I think, you know, there's just endless room for learning and we're the right people to can keep doing it. It was a very natural origin story to our podcast. Sort of like we, we had a group of friends that went out to dinner with each other and we were like, wow, we cannot remember anything that this like very interesting person said to us. And why don't we record it? Or why didn't we record it? And from there, it just sort of like grew and bloomed into into what it is now. And, and so uh, that is one reason why I think that quitting has sort of been not an option. And then, like you said, the, the clear and definable experimentation, 
like, you know, I'm going to make like Tim Ferriss, I'm going to make six episodes of this podcast. And after six episodes, I'm going to reevaluate whether or not it's something that I want to keep doing. And, you know, we've, we've moved back that goalpost as we realize that the, the, the value in the last 20 episodes, the value in the last 20 episodes, the value in the last 20 episodes has been uh, so great for us. So next question here. And I'd say that's one thing I've learned is just, you just can jump right into the next question. Like you don't notice that as much as the listener of a show, but like sometimes you just jump right into a next question. So what is an annoying <laughs> thing you did that you saw in yourself and stopped doing? That's a good question. It takes a lot of reflection to to realize what you did that was annoying. Um, I can give some examples if you want a moment to think of stuff I did, not you. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure, go for it. I mean, either way, it's a compliment, right? I'm like, these are things that you did poorly in the past that you're doing a better job uh -huh. at. Right. But one thing I did was just in the first five or ten interviews, when a guest would just go on for a very long time because we had some cool people with a lot to say, I would just every 30 or 45 seconds be like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was uh -huh. one thing like super early on that I caught. Then the other thing is just recognizing I kind of have undiagnosed medical disclaimer. I don't actually have it, but I total have ADHD. I don't sit still at all. And muting myself when I'm not talking allows me to like fumble and rearrange stuff and click pens and not have y'all hear that very often. So that's two very specific things. Yeah, for me, so uh, I would say stopping silence too early is a big one. I think that a lot of the magic that happens in an interview or when you're talking with someone is is like allowing them the, the five seconds of silence between thoughts uh, instead of jumping in and, and saying your piece in order to, you know, I guess seem smart or to, to ask your next question that you're waiting to get off your tongue. And I think that stopping silence is usually bad. And then another thing is, you know, in that same vein, just not listening, but rather having something to say. And I know that, you know, I still do this and it's very hard to not do it. And I try to consciously think about listening rather than thinking about what I want to say. But, you know, I would generally, because when we ask questions, our guests go on pretty long explanations of answers, right? A lot of the time. And throughout that, that entire, I guess, paragraph and a half or two paragraphs that they speak, each point is like something that I could comment on if I wanted to. Like if in isolation, that one sentence is something that I could have an interesting thing to say about. Um, and I think that thinking about that is not the right way to do it. I think that you should listen to the entire paragraph and then formulate your response. And, I, you know, I don't do this as much as I should or as much as I guess I could. But I think that that is, I've gotten better at it. And that's something that was annoying about the way that I was doing it at the beginning. And then I think for the both of us, when we would use Rome to, to have another conversation on top of the conversation that we were having with our guest, that that generally led to um, us looking not bad, but like you know, having two conversations going on and us talking to each other while our guest is speaking, I think it, it's rude. And then I'm glad that we stopped doing that. Yeah. And again, that was about an attachment to the outline and an att attachment mm -hmm. to getting to everything we wanted to get to. You know, the Rome mm -hmm. wasn't for us to chit chat and like talk about other stuff. It was like, right. Who's yeah. going next? Can I go next? Let's bring this. Should we ask this question next or this question next or this question next? And we have 
you know, Rome, you have all these bullet points and you can drag them up and down. So we're like, let's do this one next. And then after that one, this one, then after that one, this one. And we're just like planning the conversation while the guest is just talking and we're visually distracted, mentally distracted. Mm -hmm. I think we compensated well. Like, I don't think we ever, anyone pointed that out to us, but us. Yeah, no. uh, But I I definitely think it changed the game for the better, like our level of engagement and like, you know, life on full screen, as you call it. Exactly. Well, shout out David Perel. But um, so my next question for you, like you like to do is jump to the next question is what low hanging fruit is there in terms of improvements for our podcast that are still out there? So going back to what you said, I think we could definitely both, we should definitely, we should stand up, stand up podcast, stand up desks, stand up podcasts. I think that's one. I think a better, more consistent pitch, more consistent pitching habit would Mm -hmm. make the weekly cadence easier to catch. Like if you and I both did something silly, like every day we send one pitch, we would just have like an abundance of pitches probably. Or if we did, you know, every Saturday we both sent five. But that's a problem too, is that we only publish one a week. And so like that is a limiting factor to the number of pitches that we can send because if you know, let's say just half of the people get back to us and we send Mm -hmm. seven a week, that means that we get, you know, four each. So we've got, that's eight weeks of interviews and you can't interview somebody and release it 12 weeks later. I mean, it just isn't, it's, it's, it's rude. Right. Again. So I think that like, that is a, is a problem that we need to solve in terms of the cadence of our pitching like maybe one every other day or every two days or every three days or something like that to where like mathematically it works out to where our, our bank isn't ever too long. Yeah. I've not fully thought through the numbers as well, right. but point is like being a little bit more consistent. So it's less I of agree. like, there's, there's less, Oh shoot, we got to send it like a ton out and then, okay, we're chilling for a while. So just some consistent semi-optimal cadence of pitching. I think mm-hmm. the other thing too is like, you know, willingness to, this is what we set out to do at the beginning that we changed our minds on was we're like, we're going to do one a week minimum, but if we have bonus, we have bonus. That's something we could always fall back on, but you know, school has just repeatedly become busy and we've been like one a week has felt like enough where we would totally be willing to do more. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, we're already busy and school is, uh, yeah, that's one mistake that I think we both made twice now is like, (laughs) um, (laughs) Well, I was going to say just underestimating the workload required to uh, complete school to the degree at which the two of us are happy with. Yes. We're very optimistic until the moment hits. Right. You can push off the mountain and then all of a sudden you have to climb it. And like, yeah, I I feel like I kind of, I don't know how satisfied I am with my answer to that question. I think one thing we've talked about a lot that we haven't done is having a couple questions we ask every guest. So that kind Mm -hmm. of slowly starts building a compounding resource. So we can like compile that at some point and be like, you know, 50 people's answer to this question. And like that creates cool products, but also it creates something to, you know, the repeatability and the familiarity of segments of like a variety show is something that's pretty well-trod in like history of media. And Mm -hmm. something we could do better is have that. We do the bonus rounds most of the time and that seems to go well, but like, and there's a lot of questions we ask every so often, but committing to, you know, like Dune from Female Startup Club has her quick six or quick five, and she Mm -hmm. asked that of every guest, and now she's turning it into a book, but also, like, something to look forward to at the end, like, oh, what's this person going to say to this question? And that's, like, a nice hook for the listener that we have not been doing. 
what have you learned about me through our year of podcasting? That this this implies a didn't know before, mm-hmm. right? True. It's kind of like how I'm interpreting it. So like, what didn't I know about you that I now know about you because of the podcast? That's a very tough question. I mean, well, yeah, I think you know it's I guess reinforced. So for you, for mm-hmm. me, it's like your willingness. It's like your strong beliefs loosely held, you know, mm-hmm. and that comes in the form of like veganism is like probably the best example. It's like you were a vegan and you know, enough information was presented to you to where you're no longer a vegan. And like, what did you see in my fridge this morning? Lots of steak. So, well, like, that's the other side like of it is 14 just, pounds. You, you're pretty much consistently on an extreme and experimenting. And I think that that's awesome. Uh, but the, the breadth of it, I think is, is difficult to fully understand unless you are like, uh, you know, in a relationship like we have where we talk to each other almost every day about things that we're interested in. So like you're always doing something new, uh, to a level that I did not understand before we started podcasting. Okay. Well, I think I have an example for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm crazy as hell. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. One thing for you is that, and this might just be a product of like school being close to home for you and school not being close to home for me. But you definitely, and this is also like a quarantine type discussion thing, but you always had like a lot more social plans than I did in like a good way. I don't know, like you see your family, like I, you see your family all the time and like, I don't know about cousins, you don't talk about cousins that often, but like your siblings and your sibling-in-laws and like the indirect of the indirects, like twice removed and like friends from high school. And a lot of this is just like you're in your existing network and like you can go home, but that's something like, you know, I just have like being removed from home and like uprooted for a couple of years, except for like, you know, the probably 20 episodes I did at home, but like the one, just like how important family is to you. And like, again, that's something I knew, but like, you're just always seeing your family. You're always seeing a friend or you're always doing something, which is good. And it's just kind of like, you know, you're still, this is a line from the one thing, like, which I just mentioned a minute ago, but the one thing talks about, do you see life as periods of as work with occasional periods of vacation between them or do you see life as like vacation and life and you just occasionally have to work and I think I sometimes get sucked into the like life is work and sometimes I'm fortunate enough to get a break from work and like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm fortunate enough to not have stuff to do and like I'll go do something fun and I think like you're kind of in a better way have that opposite mindset that's like fun stuff is pretty much what I'm doing all the time and then when I need to, I'm going to do work. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. It's like, and almost to a fault. It's like by like, default, right? Fun and family and community and friends. And like, I think that's a good thing. Or again, mm-hmm. maybe if you think it's to a fault or whatever, but like, I mean, it can be. The point is, know? like, there's, uh, about, I agree. I'm have spent a lot of time, a lot mm-hmm. of this just being far from home or whatever it is, too far on the one side of the spectrum mm-hmm. and see you consistently on the other side in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can see that in like the summit that we did and just how many times I was in the same place. Like, and we record yeah, you, those you you know, back like to off. back to back pretty much. It's yeah. like, I wasn't in the same place one time. I was like, no, you're like, I'm at this awesome. person's office. Cause we were just schmoozing and I'm at yeah. the fraternity house and I'm at my parents' house. I'm at my sister's house. I'm at my brother's house. 
I like to keep it moving for sure. Yeah, and so then I, I sat in the same answer. chair with the same jersey. <laughs> the same chair, the same jersey. <laughs> just yeah, in between periods funny. of other stuff. And maybe that comes back to uh, underestimating school or just not appropriately handling the workload. But that's a separate mm-hmm. discussion. This isn't therapy. <laughs> but that's one thing I learned about, you know, that putting fun in community higher on the list of priorities while still mm-hmm. getting everything else done, right? Mm-hmm. So For sure. And not a morning person. I'm trying to work on that. You know, I think, I think that, and this is something that I wrote recently in a, in a like self-improvement, like journal, like guided journal is just like, I think it's a bad thing first off. And I think that I need to, uh, I, I think that I need to make it to where I have to go to sleep in a certain hour and I have to wake up in a certain hour. Just at some point in the hour, I have to get out of bed and I have to get in bed. And I think that that would drastically improve my, my scheduling because it is not good my my like back and forth between you know 2 a.m 1 a.m like but i feel like i'm doing things that are important while i'm doing it but really i'm not you know like i'm I'm researching decentralized finance and like i'm like this but it's just i should probably just be asleep you know phone and bed they don't go well no True. phone and bed like no rabbit hole media in bed you know everything's kind an of... exciting writing rattle rabbit hole a book you know you can just turn the page and like that's kind of your only option i think that that is therapy for me yeah for sure all right well i asked the last question so you're up what is an episode that you feel like you learned the most from and this can either be like yeah so i have a clear answer to this one okay cool definitely no constraints i I learned a ton from everybody but talger was like uh, you know information it matters when it comes to you and when you hear it. And so that episode specifically, I learned a ton from and specifically the idea of like integration and just how like these different pieces of your identity, like they, you know, well, first of all, no consumption matters without integration until you're into your life. And that like, Act, the only way you integrate things is by action, either by your thoughts or literally like physically your physical actions. And that was an important lesson to hear. You know, I don't think I've fully implemented it as best as I should, or I, I will in the future. Cause it's like always a continuously, you're continuously learning that lesson, I think. And then, yeah, I mean, that hit me really hard. And then just some of his ideas about like happiness and, you know, your different identities acting in different ways when doing different activities and how you shouldn't be, you should let yourself dance and you should let yourself like be who you are in the moments without like to without judging yourself. And then uh, there's something else that he talked about. It's like the achiever mindset and just how, uh, you know, that does not need to be in every area of your life and like the achiever mindset while it's valuable uh, other things are valuable too and then finally you know i thought a lot about the that framework of thinking back from when you're 80 and thinking about the amount of dollars that you would exchange for a moment of time and using that as a way to decide what to do and what not to do so like your fun moments with your family would be worth more to you in on your deathbed than any of your highest accomplishments. And that was like a big framework for me in my head. And then I told him that and he was like, yeah, but you kind of have to think about it in terms of when you're 32. 
And that blew my mind. That was a huge like realization for me that, you know, your deathbed and when you're 30 and when you're 40 are, are big, are, are, are hugely different perspectives to look back from. And thus you should act accordingly. Uh, so th- those were my big off the cuff takeaways and, and what I learned from that episode. I think the, the meta lesson is guests who will tell us that we're wrong or guests who will challenge us. Mm-hmm. I, I have, this is a new idea. I spun it up this morning and or last night, but there are the people who, this is completely original, like hundred percent original, fresh idea. Uh, you call them like, uh, I call them, uh, you'll thank me later kind of person. Mm. Someone who's just like ready. So for me, the example that comes to mind is our friend, Will Brown, right? Who's like one of the few people I can go to, to, to tell me an idea is bad or just like something I'm doing is lazy thinking or like I should be doing better. And most people are just so ready to praise you for what you're doing. And like, there's a lot of good reason for that. And I'm not out here trying to not appreciate people who spread positive energy, but he will be like, you know, have you fully thought that through? That's not Mm -hmm. a negative thing. That's just very, most of our guests. And this also comes back to how we approach the conversation. Like there are some conversations where we treat them like a coaching call, right? We're like, this person is an expert. Let's see if they can help us solve our problems. And like something interesting is going to come from that. And certain guests actually request that you structure the conversation that way. So Evan Carmichael asked us to structure the conversation that way. And like, that's why it went the way it did. And I think Tal Gurr also is like a life coach is how he makes his money or made his money. So that also makes sense that like he was the kind of person that did that. Whereas we're like, you know, interviewing an author, let's just talk about your book. And their book is like, about bodybuilding and that's we're not trying to turn this into like a personal training session but Mm -hmm. just a huge huge lesson is that it's seeking the fountain of uncomfortable truths instead of seeking like comforting lies and just not attacking and challenging your assumptions so how do we purposely structure conversations that lead us to challenging our assumptions and this is like what you know we talked with blog of jake in our most recent episode about his podcast with what's his name kapal gupta Kapil. we probably don't want to talk about that i don't, I don't want to bring him up but like point yeah. it we talked about that on air right no Mm-mm. oh i don't know anyway blog jake did an episode one of his guests kind of roasted him and he learned a lot from doing that mm-hmm. and they're not super yeah. fun in the moment but you look back and you're like damn we're better off for it right and i think that that's an important like framework to to give advice from and that's an interesting thing that i've heard recently is like when certain people are asked for advice a lot and when they get the request for advice or feedback they're like okay well what kind of feedback do you want do you want me to be nice or do you want me to tear this apart and it's like you should ask that question but you should pretty much if you want asking for feedback you should always want them to tear it apart right so i think you definitely learn more when it's when you're getting fired on rather than when you're getting praised, uh, no matter what. So yeah, I think that's good. The next question for you is what negative things has podcasting brought about for you? Besides, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think negative things. I have an answer. If you want me to start out, start out the reason. So for me, it, it would be like living by the calendar. Mm-hmm. And the removal of spontaneity because of different uh, uh, appointments I have on a schedule. So, uh, you know, I spoke with this very, very successful um, real estate investor, uh, entrepreneur guy, 
who was basically like, look, I don't do appointments. Like, just call me and I'll see if uh, like in the next couple of days we, we can get something together. So like, I think that not having appointments is good uh, and allows for a level of spontaneity that doesn't exist when you know that next Friday you have a call between three and four. And I, I think that that has often, you know, been a negative thing for me. Well, I think then, well, interesting. It's like, you know, try to schedule stuff for the middle of the week when you're like clearly in work. But I think a lot of this is the comes from like school being an inherently you, you feel kind of free. So like this is the one thing that's not free versus if we were like in a kind of routine career, even as an entrepreneur, right? Just like there's still a predictable cadence that like I get my shit done Tuesdays through Friday and like Sunday through Monday or Saturday through Monday, just screw off. We kind mm-hmm. of like college is kind of a perpetual state of like always kind of doing nothing, always kind of at work mm-hmm. and work from home only makes that worse. So like this adds a constraint. I was going to say something negative for me is I definitely in the past and I'm getting better about this have felt this is like maybe some specific friction between you and I because of our different preferences. Like I've always felt the need to need to be home. I just like don't like working outside of home because I'm like, what if like we need to squeeze in this time. If we had an unstructured time to record the introduction or conclusion to an episode, I'm like, for whatever reason, didn't want to leave my house because like, what if we found that available? That you always had that, yeah. That one like level I knew, of I knew this is going to be your answer. Okay, well, there you go. That's I thought that's something we learned not to do is you know, ask questions. We know what the answers are going to be. That's yeah, we need to talk about it. I mean, you know, we've tried to have that unstructured hour before yeah. and it, it got sort of messed up. I think that you just need to worry less about, about the intro and the outro, you know, or record it right after or before. Yeah. Or, well, not before because that doesn't make any sense, but. No. Right after um, is usually best. Right after is usually best so that you don't have that pressure of feeling like you need to be at home. But we know? had that's because in the past we didn't have a cadence for so in the past two weeks we haven't had that issue or the past three weeks because you've just been coming over luminita. to workout shout out luminita by the way if you're listening to this yeah. luminita you've been an amazing intern and we're really really glad to have you and to absolutely. have had you on the team so far absolutely but i, would, I was gonna say slightly separate uh-huh. points just you've been coming over throughout the week uh-huh. and since i'm like since i have you we're doing right. this right now since you're right. here the X3 has else. definitely been a, an improvement for you and I's constant seeing each other, which is good. Exactly. X3, but, big endorsement so far. My arms feel huge. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe we'll because out. you're not a morning person. You know, if we could just say, you know, spons- Friday mornings or not Friday, but like, you know, a day where you're not going to want to go out the night before. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to want to go out the night before. So it's mm-hmm. like Wednesday mornings mm-hmm. before other shit takes over is like when we batch the other stuff. Maybe we've just... Cause we always try to like put the batch to figure shit out like the batch hour. Like this is when we're going to take care of all the small stuff we have to talk to each other about to do such as the intro uh-huh. outro. You're like, well, I want to be spontaneous cause it's a Saturday. Right. And then you don't, you're like, I don't want to put it at 11 AM on a Wednesday cause I have class and I don't want to put it before that. Cause I don't want to, maybe it's just Wednesday mornings. Sounds like a good plan. I think that, that we just made a huge marginal improvement. Exactly. Right out. And Wednesday mornings are when I meet with Luminita our awesome interns. So right after the Luminita, before the X3, which was our two episodes ago with Dr. John Jaquish. Humongous biceps. Humongous. Well, you know, I I think I'll I'll ask you one last question that I've got here. 
and it's a little bit more meta, a little bit more ethereal, but I think it's a good way to we, end we, it we out. We did a lot of tactical. We, we really right. did a good job of not uh, letting ourselves so get carried away right off the what bat. What advice would you give to yourself one year ago? At the outset. At the outset. So I'm so tempted to be, to talk, to steal answers from the summit because we asked 30 podcast hosts this very question. So like they really covered a lot of ground. So like David Perel, right? Excellent audio equipment from the start. Chris Williamson. This is an interesting piece of advice, actually. Real interesting small point here. Chris Williamson's advice to us was go for A-list guests right off the bat. Like why sell yourself short? Like you don't have to you know, interview 20 middling, like mid-level, moderately successful people before you can start reaching out of your network. Uh, but also I think we did it right. And like one, I'm su- we all the people within our network we did the podcast with, I think that strengthened all of those personal relationships we have. It's like, I'm super glad that we did that conversation with my cousin and we did that conversation with coworkers from the past and like other people in our families and communities that like now have better relationships. But that being said, there is, I didn't have to wait as long to start like going for the ambitious outreach either. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, there's no reason we shouldn't continue if we meet an interesting person who like, you know, isn't oh, a best-selling yeah. author or whatever else, or like doesn't have some crazy. And this comes back to like our intrinsic motivation, right? Like, the purpose of a guest for us is not their level of clout. Like there's certainly guests that were like, this person has a million Instagram followers. Hell yes. Yeah. Cause like we still do want to grow the audience, but like, we're also ready yeah. to say this person's never had a social media account ever. They live off the grid in a year. Like <laughs> let's hear about that a little in bit a too, year. but like, they're also an expert on something we want to know about. They just happen to like be financing it because they started a DeFi company, but they're totally anonymous. That's like same thing with blog of Jake, right? Like he actually does have credibility because he's like, kind of popular now but we're just like this episode we talked to someone named jake (laughs) (laughs) but he's it's a good conversation and we've actually gotten a pretty good amount of positive feedback on it from different people Uh so point being that was a good one because we were super i mean i was super interested in in talking with him a bit of conflicting advice right there basically glad yes definitely continue to interview people in your personal network but there's no reason to not shoot right for the people like high up right early on too I think another thing, again, right, like you and I just needing to like have some degree of structure that fits Mm. our schedule better. Cause I think, you know, we haven't quit, but I think most of the reasons we've been tempted to quit have come from stupid things like friction about scheduling logistics, like just small, like friction over small things. You know, we've never had like large scale creative disagreements, but it's like little bickering about small decisions that like Mm -hmm. add up over time from a lack of structure for dealing with those things. I think we're pretty clean slate right now in terms of I think we're great. Things. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just saying like things yeah. that caused friction or like potential moments that like were less fun along the way were mm-hmm. almost all caused by that. Right. Totally agree. I, um, I, I probably got more to say honestly, but go for it. Keep going. No, keep going. Uh, I was just going to say I think doing I think this is also lots of hindsight bias, right? Like COVID, maybe we all got bamboozled. Maybe it's really severe. Maybe we don't know. But I definitely could have had a more active social life during the fall semester of COVID than I did. Like, and a lot of that was like, I kind of rationalized my monkhood as like, well, it's okay because like there's COVID, but like it just wasn't necessary to be locked in that much at all. This is, we're in Alabama. A lot of states have different political and scientific opinions than us. But Tuscaloosa, the virus is kind of like, eh. Anyway. I could have had more fun and that probably would have like out I agree matched a lot of like fun just dissolve stress 
like mm-hmm. leaving the house more is all stress. And like, yeah, I you work in a high strong first semester a little bit, just being stressed out. I agree. I think that going out more, just hanging out with people, being outside would have done done you a little bit of good, but not, you know, obviously hindsight bias being mm-hmm. being present here. But um, and again, I'm saying like some of the fear of COVID was valid and like you're right, of, yeah, but some of it also I, wasn't. I mean, we were talking about it before we even started the podcast, COVID. And, you know, we've purposefully sort of not talked about COVID in all of our podcasts. But I think it's interesting to to now, uh, looking back, say that COVID was a backdrop on a lot of our conversations. I mean, a lot of our conversations were bookended by either us or our guests hearing, listening, talking about the coronavirus pandemic. And I think that, you know, that's interesting. Um, and I think that probably a lot of the answers and, and questions that we asked were, you know, they weren't about COVID, but they were painted by the 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 time that we were living through, right? Just like everything is. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's that, impossible, like, for it to right. not be. Yeah. Uh-huh. So and I think that, that I think that that's interesting. Um, it's something that we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as to just answering my own question quickly, like, what advice I would give myself... Yeah. Uh, this is uh, something that I saw from Jack Butcher recently that I really mm-hmm. liked. And that was just, you know, constant imperfect action. It's yeah. like I would get really caught up about the DMs that I would send to people and be like, well, you know, in a week, if I wait and I can learn more about this person and like what their like goals and dreams are, then like maybe I'll, I'll be able to send a better a better pitch. And like, well, then a week week goes by. And like, I just don't do it. And, you know, it's sort of life changes, things change. And it's that moment was gone. And like, if I would have just acted imperfectly and not been so worried about, about the quality, well, not quality, but you know what I'm saying? Just sending it without being worried about whether or not it was worthy of being sent, I think is an idea that is big, you know, it's like, if you don't know how to play a game, you don't say, no, I don't want to play the game because I don't know how to play because everybody had their first time at one yeah, point. You just and play you should... and do bad. Right, exactly. So I think that that's a, a big thing that I've learned throughout this last year. And that's the piece of advice that I would give to myself starting the podcast. Just send the message. And then for me, just leave the house. Right. Yeah. Should I ask you a final question? I'm trying to think. Sure. If if I have anything super good here, what's one thing that like you've changed your mind about doing the podcast, a specific interview besides your regret framing from 80 years, mm-hmm. what's like one thing you've changed your mind about pretty substantially? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a question that I, I, you know, constantly sort of thinking about. Carbohydrates. You know, I think that I, I think that I used to be really, I used to take every person's ideas about anything with the same level of I, I, I assigned the same level of value to any person's opinion about any certain topic. So any person that said anything about cryptocurrency, for example, I would assign the value of that piece of information the same across the board when really you should be doing it differently where you, you know, consume the information and then decide whether or not a, it aligns with what you have heard in the past and what you believe and b whether or not that person is more qualified 
or not qualified, but like, yeah, I guess I kind of covered it with a, like whether or not it aligns with what I believe and then being willing to discard it. Cause I would sort of let like any piece of information from any person just affect my opinions about things drastically and immediately. And I, I I've changed my mind about, about that, about doing that. Well, I think that makes me think of, you know, the litmus test that Dickie Bush talks about. He's like, you know, my 20 year goal is to own an, is to create a new NBA team. And the people who laugh at me when I say that are the people mm. who want to spend less time with and the people who say, Holy shit, that's awesome. Like I want to buy in, like, I know a guy, you should talk to him. Like, Oh, my friends in the NBA, like, mm-hmm. and like they start helping him. Like that's, who you want to spend more time with. And I think that's kind of true. It's like, if you're asking someone who's always a pessimist or like, this is an example from the book, the magic of thinking big that like really made me realize something that I kind of observed in the cor- corporate world was, you know, if you ask someone, you ask t- five different people in your company, let's say three different people in your company, how do you get ahead in this organization? Right. You ask the people at your same level, at the entry level, how to get ahead, right? You just chat with your peers at lunch and people only know how to get as far as they've gotten pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they're as far as they are. So you ask the guy, he's like, oh, well, this corporation, they all, you always get screwed and take, make sure you take credit for stuff because if you don't take credit for it, you're going to get passed over. And then the guy in the middle is like, really what matters is like, you know, it's probably good advice, right? That's like going to get you to the middle. Then the guy at the top is like, you know, it's all, it's all about people. It's all about how you treat people or whatever else. The point is like, don't take advice. Like I'm not going to ask our skinny guests how right. to grow biceps. I'm going to, everyone has their own opinion and not everyone's opinion is valid. Mm-hmm. And if exactly. you put too much weight into the opinions of people who it, it's just bias, right? It's like, you kind of have to, I think a lot of it is like a lot of success. This is going to come out wrong. It's just being comfortable being an asshole a lot of it is just like, you know, you're basically having a conversation about cryptocurrency with someone who owns $200 worth of Bitcoin and like, couldn't explain to you what the blockchain like even means. And like, they've never, they don't even know what like the distributed ledger is like, just like level like five research. And you just have to be like, I'm just going to tune you out altogether. (laughs) And not feel and that's something that i've never been able to or i never i never realized you know it's obvious when you say it right it's Mm -hmm. like and it just i don't know it's a lesson that i had to learn it comes back to just when you ship creative work so like you know two years before we started the podcast i was writing about productivity and i had like friends that'd be like this stuff's boring and i'm like it's not boring i just didn't write it for you because like people that are interested Mm -hmm. in this found it interesting so it's like that's just how you deal with your critics right it's like understanding why they criticize you and it's not usually for a good reason. So what about you? What's your answer to this question? Then we'll we'll wrap it up. I think for me, this is something I talk about frequently-ish, is like the genius fallacy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't think, I think with very few exceptions, the people on the podcast are like, holy shit, that person is so much smarter than me. I can never be that smart. It's just like, no, this person just did high leverage things, made good decisions, work, had a solid work ethic, believed in themselves. And like, essentially it comes down to most people most characteristics of successful people are more within reach than we think is how I would summarize I like it. Summer, I like that distillation. I think that's important and a skill that I need to learn more of as distillation. I, um, you worship. I don't think like Elon Musk is super smart and stuff, but like everyone acts like he's 10 standard deviations off the norm. He's like two or three. 
you know, I think Elon is a, might actually be a, a genius. Um, I don't think he's a one in a billion. I think it's like a lot of circumstance and a lot of like, I don't think Elon Musk would want you to think he's a genius. You know, that's just like it. You sell yourself short by being like Elon Musk is really obsessed with asking the same or asking the correct question. Do you have to be a genius to do that? Like, no. Did, he didn't like solve en- every engineering problem in his company. He literally just like, how much smarter is he than like Henry Ford, right? He just like surrounded himself with experts, asked a lot of questions and like, didn't take no for an answer and like mm-hmm. read textbooks Widely to have a first principles, to have first principles understanding of stuff. Like all of that's accessible to people. I don't know. He's smart, right? I'm not saying I'm as smart as Elon yeah. Musk, but I'm saying like, he's not that much smarter well, when we get him on the show has a that's high when risk. we'll yeah. when we get him on the show we'll be able to tell whether or not he's actually that smart you know we'll we'll test him we'll <laughs> yeah me and me and lewis will be his his defining tests as to whether or not the richest man in the world is uh actually the whole point is you're peddling the wrong narrative you're spread you're spreading media negativity right now you don't encourage anyone to think big by saying elon musk is somehow special and better than us Inspire I, all I'm saying you're is not that inspire, the one you're not person no. that, okay, okay. Who are you inspiring by saying Elon Musk is a genius? Who does that inspire? Who wants to go out True. and try to read a physics textbook? If because Elon Musk can do it because he's a genius, but you can't, right? Because you didn't study physics right. in school. No, I, I see what you're saying. You yeah. know, you're just missing a couple prerequisites. And it's mm-hmm. like, read, spend, you have to spend an extra six months getting the math foundation first, and then you can read the physics textbook. And if you have the habit of asking good questions, the point is like the point that I've changed my mind about is just not giving any single person like this cloak of being special. Same thing with David mm-hmm. Goggins, right? He's not a superhuman. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not fundamentally stronger than anyone else. He has a set of tactics and a set of skills and over time he's built himself to be able to withstand more than most people can. But like the better you understand him, the more you realize it's not a magic trick and letting people think that software CEOs are magic because they're prodigy coders. Like that doesn't help anyone. No, it's never too late. You can figure it out. It's all possible. I like it. I think you're right. Uh, I think I just changed my mind about that. Maybe perfect. Elon Musk, not a genius. He's fucking one of the smartest people, but he's just all about leverage and fundamentals. Well, everything's within grasp everything's within your grasp yep y'all can be like elon musk's a lot of it's luck and circumstance right but yeah but well luck is a is an aspect or a lever in every domain as west ko mm-hmm. said but i think that factor. that is a is a good place to, for us mm-hmm. to wrap up this conversation you know i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm really proud of us for getting to to a year and you know we still have to make it to, we're recording this on sunday so we gotta make it to tuesday episode. Yeah. yeah, well, uh, you know, I think we basically made it to a year, which is exciting. So congratulations to you, and thanks Damn, for, that's for me. doing this with me. It's been fun. Absolutely. We'll keep we'll keep rolling. Go from there. Right, uh, sh- should I sign us off? Or Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'm trying to decide how much editing this conversation should have. Because like It's going to need things. more if you don't sign us off, so just sign us off. Well, if you enjoy this far enjoyed this far if you listened this far i hope you enjoyed this conversation kyle and i are both very grateful to you for listening to this episode and any others that you have listened to 
Uh, if you want to support us and encourage us to keep doing what we're doing, to keep interviewing high performers, keep learning ourselves and keep spreading optimistic media, encouraging you to understand how business people did the things they did, how authors came up with the ideas they did and how you can use those ideas and stuff like that to improve your lives and investors and all the awesome things that Kyle and I learn about on the show and that you learn about from listening. Please support us by leaving a rating or review on Apple iTunes. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to see what we look like when we talk. If you're already here, uh, we look pretty similar than... Uh, actually, that's not, that's not true. I sometimes I have really short hair. Sometimes I have long hair. Sometimes I don't have a mustache. Sometimes it's too early and Kyle looks pretty tired. But we're on YouTube for people that like video. We're on social media, if you want to say hi. Our favorite thing about the podcast is connecting with the people that listen to it and continuing the conversation going. If we brought up an idea that was interesting to you, we'd love to continue to talk about it. So before... We forget about it completely with our bad memories. Send us a DM, Instagram, Twitter, wherever else, and we'll keep the conversation going. Thanks for listening. Check out another one of our episodes. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed, and we'll see you in a week with the next episode. Have a good one.